This is Data Science at Home, the podcast that makes machine learning and artificial intelligence easy for everyone. Here's your host, Francesco Caraletta. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Data Science at Home, the podcast that makes machine learning easy for everyone. I know, my bad. I've been away for so long, folks, and uh, I've been uh, busy with uh, a ton of things. And uh, fortunately, I'm back uh, with something that you find interesting. Just give me a few minutes to explain. So, where, where do we start? Well, let's start from what happened. The, the last four months have been so full of events that uh, we probably need more than one episode, to, one episode to mention them all. And the first thing definitely that deserves our attention is the uh, Cambridge Analytica and Facebook scandal. Uh, something that uh, you know, was a bomb under the desk that was uh, going to detonate any time, uh, and it did. Uh, and basically, that you know changed a lot the relationship that people have with data now. Uh, at least institutions do have a different relationship today. Um, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, uh, Cambridge Analytica was just one of the probably almost all of them. Uh, in that domain uh, are uh, vulnerable to the same issues that Cambridge Analytica faced and uh, Cambridge Analytica and Facebook faced together. The second event is definitely GDPR uh, for those who are in Europe, uh, but also for global organizations that operate with uh, European uh, clients, customers. Uh, the GDPR stands for General Data Protection Regulation, and as you already know, you might have received a lot of emails uh, changing privacy policies and uh, um, explicitly asking your consent to, to keep your email or your name and, and family name and whatever information you give to any internet service you, are, uh, you subscribed before. That really changed, is already changing the way people approach data and organizations approach data and manipulate data and store data of their clients. So that's a good thing, but indeed it was kind of disruptive. 25th of May, it really changed all of a sudden the way we um, store uh, or other people's data. And the third event, which actually should be the first in, in terms of importance and impact uh, is definitely the advent of blockchain technology and uh, also there you might have been on you know reading news about ethereum and bitcoin and blockchain now these are the three um, probably most searched terms on, on google trends uh, in the last four or five months for sure but it was something that it was growing even uh, before even earlier and uh, the advent of blockchain technology is uh, something that uh, a lot of people are recognizing as okay this you know something is going on here uh, and it's affecting uh, already several domains even though uh, no real application is uh, seeing the light um, you know in terms of uh, adoption for for consumer and uh, you know changing the way uh, we we do things this is not happening yet um, it will eventually, but uh, you know, blockchain technology is definitely paving the way to a new uh, approach to um, internet services. So, what have I been doing? Well, um, I've been working on a 
a project that uh, goes under the name of FitChain. FitChain.io is the uh, land page, landing page that we uh, created. And this is a project that basically combines machine learning and blockchain technology in order to solve some of the challenges that arise whenever you decentralize something. So this is not the tagline of the project, of course. I will take uh, a few more minutes to explain and to go into more details about this project because you know the world, the word decentralization has been kind of abused in the last in, in the last period. So let me clarify here: what do we mean by decentralization? At least, what do I mean by decentralization? So, well, decentralization is um, an approach to uh, remove any. Um, central authority and central institution in uh, any of internet service or, or service that you might think of. And so if you have a decentralized bank, uh, it's basically a bank without the bank. <laughs> it's kind of, you know, still performing financial services, providing financial services to individuals, but without any central bank uh, in between. And the same can, uh, you know, can, uh, can, can hold for um, decentralized healthcare, and so a research hospital or a hospital, um, you know, you can have a relationship between doctors and patients without an hospital in between. Um, the same can happen for uh, social media, uh, and so think about connecting people um, without a you know a Facebook or whoever uh, in his, in in their place. Uh, so this is what decentralization can do, and. Uh, you know, the basic block of decentralization is actually blockchain technology, which is a, you know, kind of a fancy word to basically do something uh, relatively simple, which is building a, a ledger, kind of a public database uh, that is an immutable object. So to this database, people can only append things, but they can never change things. So once a transaction or a message or whatever is sent to this database and is stored there, uh, nobody, you know, once that block is finalized and so everybody agrees that that's indeed a valid block, um, that block becomes part of the blockchain, which is just a chain of blocks, and nobody can uh, ever change that block, change the previous blocks, and so on. And so this is quite interesting because, you know, it's a tamper, uh, tamper proof. So if we have the, you know, if we are mathematically sure that nobody can tamper with this, with this database, well, then I can put something that is meant to be public, um, but uh, nobody has to, nobody can tamper with it. Now, of course, uh, there, is, there has been a lot of abuse in the term in terminology. Uh, people want to decentralize everything uh, because it's cool, because it's uh, hyped, and because, um, yeah, because it's... Um, uh, it's cool to have a, a blockchain project nowadays and many companies who don't have blockchain, I mean, have, many companies are actually uh, um, considering blockchain as a technology just to be uh, on the news or just to be, uh, you know, um, pioneering some kind of no, new technology. But uh, not everything can be uh, decentralized, not everything should be public um, and we cannot expect that, for instance, um, a, an healthcare institution uh, starts putting data on the blockchain because you know uh, if you uh, check the Ethereum blockchain or the or the Bitcoin blockchain, you can just download it and see uh, which address sent uh, how many bitcoins to another address, 
uh, and you can see this, you know, without too much effort. I mean, this is all public. You just need to code a bit of stuff, you know, to 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 pull this data from uh, a blockchain. But that's you know that's not encrypted. That's not hard to get, and uh, everybody can do that. Now imagine if you have uh, a you know a service in which you put private data. Uh, of individuals onto the blockchain, well, anyone can indeed download this stuff, pull the data, and uh, and boom, privacy is gone. Um, so, uh, well, so this is just to say that decentralization is something that it's um, it's something that will change the way you know society will work in the future. Uh, but not everything is decentralization ready, and not everything should indeed be decentralized. With this said, now let me go back to FitChain and um, uh, you know try to give you some more detail about um, the problem that we are trying to solve with this project. So what is the problem? Well, there will always be organizations that need to act on their data, no, you know, as much as they can. No matter how many data scientists are out there, um, training machine learning models is a necessity and uh, definitely uh, it became an essential part of any business in any domain. This is an undeniable fact, right? Now, I believe that one of the next big things is a, uh, you know, a model, a machine learning model that can be purchased without disclosing the internals of that model. Um, and more importantly, without disclosing the training data that has been used to uh, indeed in train that model. So this is something that I really um, wanted to develop, um, you know, imagine kind of uh, trading your model, your machine learning model, without disclosing the model. Um, and at the same time, also trading your private data without disclosing the data. So that's some, something that I've been obsessed by in the last uh, probably 15 months. Um, even when I worked for a very highly regulated environment like a pharmaceutical company, uh, that was, you know, a lot of this of the data that, that was locked in there was indeed locked. And uh, nobody except for uh, the few data scientists in, in, in these teams of data scientists could access this data. And uh, most of the time their bandwidth was not, uh, you know, uh, appropriate to analyze this data and to start side projects and stuff like that. So it was very difficult for even a large organization like the one I, wo I worked for to operate on their data constantly and at maximum level. Now, don't take me wrong, open data is cool. Um, of course, it's absolutely needed for humanity. But to be very realistic here, uh, there will always be organizations that simply cannot share their data uh, because their data is their asset. And, uh, and uh, you know, don't forget that Google give TensorFlow for free, not their data. And likewise for Facebook and Twitter, all these large corporations, uh, they give a lot of libraries, a lot of code, um, even a lot of ideas, a lot of, you know, literature is uh, written by people who work at Facebook, at Google, at Twitter, and, and, and Tesla, etc. So there is a lot of research, but what they don't do, and because they cannot do that, they don't give the data away, uh, because that's where their value is, that's where their, their business is. Um, another important use case comes from uh, consortia. Uh, what are consortia? Well, consortia are usually large associations um, with many data owners, who decide to pull their data and perform analytics uh, whenever the single data source would not be sufficient alone. 
And so this happens all the time with, uh, uh, for instance, healthcare and pharma, um, especially when I worked for a research in, uh, hospital, um, it happened for rare diseases. So if one hospital has, uh, you know, they are treating or they are doing research on rare diseases, rare, rare the genetic disorders, of course, the number of patients affected by that disorder is uh, very low. Uh, for one hospital, but if they, if many hospitals aggregate their data and they pool them somehow, uh, well, then researchers might have access to a, a decent um, a database of uh, of individuals affected by a rare disorder. Yet another use case is definitely the one that I uh, personally cherish the most, which is as simple as I own my data and I want to protect it. Or monetize it. Now let's leave the monetization part out for a while. So in such a scenario, as the owner of the data, I would like to um, eventually allow analytics without anyone to look at my data or steal it. Okay, and I would like to do that multiple times. For instance, many people are uh, interested, might be interested in my data, um, and they have different ideas, they have different uh, machine learning models, different problems. Uh, to solve, but the data is uh, is the same. So this happens all the time in machine learning. The same data set, you know, from from the same data set, you can uh, uh, answer a, a, a very high number of questions. Uh, of course, at the same time, I would also like to take a percentage of the machine learning model that my data contributed to train. And so, in the entire machine learning pipeline. As a data owner, I would like to participate to the model as well, because that's what I, I'm implicitly doing by just putting my data at the disposal of the data scientist, right? And of course, I would like, you know, if, if someone starts monetizing the model and the model has been trained on my data, well, I think that it's fair that I get, um, uh, you know, I share kind of a revenue uh, with, the, with, the, with the model because I'm the owner of the data and that model would have never existed without my data or anybody's data. So it's important to close the loop on uh, who owns what. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's quite fair uh, to do this um, and, you know, to start uh, to approach the problem to, to solve this um, and to provide such a service for um, for, for individuals, not only organizations. Now, um, of course, all of this is very easy to say, uh, but you know, this scenario, as I described, hides a tons of challenges in computer science and machine learning in particular. So let me go through some of them. Um, I think that the most um, challenging uh, issues here are four. And I will, uh, um, I will go through some of them. So the first is uh, data scientists or whoever writes the model, the machine learning model, uh, as we said, they cannot see the data, right? So that's the first problem. The, the second problem is that the data owner owns the data and so has access to the data and trains the model on behalf of a data scientist, okay? And that's the second issue. Um, the third issue is that the model is distributed um, so that anyone can purchase it and use it. Um, actually, the model is first encrypted uh, and then distributed publicly, but let's not go to the encryption part just yet. And the fourth issue is that nobody owns any data except for the, well, the, the data owner. Okay, so all the other data that is generated in the process, uh, like 
transactions during model training and uh, how things are going, uh, you know, nobody has to own that because, as we said, everyone can be uh, lying about this. This is a decentralized uh, architecture, after all. So let me go through the details of these four uh, challenging tasks uh, that we are tackling with FitChain. Um, so let's start from the beginning. The first is, um, I just repeat, data scientists or whoever writes the model uh, cannot see the data. Now, the real data is actually exposed um, as a randomized version of it. So uh, the randomized version has the same structure of the original data so that the data scientists can, can write a model, a machine learning model, that is compatible with that data. Okay, and while this is relatively easy for uh, data like a table with, uh, I don't know, 10 columns and uh, 1 million records and some numeric values, it becomes more problematic for unstructured data, for images, audio files, proprietary data and the like. So this is the first um, challenge. The second is, uh, well, data owner owns the data, has access to the data, and trains the model on behalf of the data scientist. Well, this is quite a nasty one, because in this scenario, nobody knows each other, okay? So the data owner will receive a model, a machine learning model in form of, I don't know, source code or a binary executable, whatever. And uh, the data owner will receive this model to execute on behalf of someone else, uh, someone he doesn't know, okay? And so I wanna be realistic here and think like, a malicious data scientist might send code that attacks the data owner and tries to steal the data. I mean, this is quite uh, normal to think. Uh, and so this is the second challenge that we are tackling. The third challenge is that the model is distributed, encrypted, so anyone can purchase and use the model. Now, this is also a harsh one because the data owner or whoever trained the model could have been faking it. And, and could be lying about it. After all, as we said, this is a decentralized environment where nobody knows anyone, right? And so the challenge here is, how can we prove that the model has been truly trained and that the claims of the data owner are real? So like if uh, uh, um, uh, whoever is training the model claims, hey, the model is performing 95% accuracy, uh, well, how should we trust that claim? Uh, and how, what could we do to validate that claim? Now, as you, if you already operated in machine learning, you know that in traditional machine learning, one could just take the model, perform it on a validation data set, um, and you know, it will have its answer. And so it will verify that the claim of 95% accuracy on the validation data set holds. But again, nobody has access to that data, and so how can we do that? Well, this is indeed a challenging uh, issue. Uh, and the fourth and last that there are many more, but I'm just I'm just summarizing here, is that nobody owns any data except, as I, as I said, the data owner, okay? Be it the organization, be it the healthcare institution or the medical doctors, etc. Now, this is a strict requirement that should hold at all times. Nobody, not even fit chain, own any data. Because in a decentralized, uh, for a decentralized service, um, indeed, nobody has to own anything because the service can keep working even without one of multiple uh, actors uh, involved in the process. All right, so that was long. Now, in the last four months, I've been working with my team on um, 
on an MVP uh, of this platform, and we started validating some of our assumptions. Uh, we wrote a, um, a minimal technical primer. It's not to be considered a white paper, uh, as many did. We are writing that with much more, uh, many more technical details that will come soon. Uh, in addition to that, we connected the platform to the Ethereum testnet uh, and implemented all the validators, which is the equivalent of the miners in Bitcoin. Uh, these nodes are basically nodes that maintain the blockchain consistent and, um, and uh, basically allow everything to, to be in, in place. Um, now, of course, um, we also created a website, fitchain.io, and uh, you're very welcome to subscribe to the newsletter or just get in contact if you think that the project is interesting and want to contribute. But if you don't think that the project is interesting, I would also love to know why and get your feedback anyway. That's it for today. I'll see you soon with another episode of Data Science at Home. This time I will not disappear, I promise. And thanks for listening. Imagine an organization that wants to unlock the value of their data, but their data is too sensitive. Imagine a data scientist who wants to work on very rare data, but she cannot access them. With FitChain, organizations and individuals can unlock the value of their data instantly, connecting them to data scientists who have an incentive to work on a solution. No confidential information will ever leave the organization, which, thanks to FitChain, can keep their industrial secrets while enjoying the endless benefits of machine learning. But wait, there's more. Data owners can monetize their data. Data scientists can monetize their models. With a team of experts in AI and blockchain technology, FitChain allows highly regulated environments from domains like healthcare, research and development, and banking to take advantage of machine learning without compromising the thing we value most, confidentiality. Visit fitchain.io and unlock the value of your data. This was Data Science at Home, the podcast that makes machine learning and artificial intelligence easy for everyone. If you like the show, don't forget to write a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podbean. You can also find us on datascienceathome.com, where you can subscribe to our newsletter and get the latest updates. Thanks for listening. Hey, are you still there? Well, let me tell you about the newsletter of Data Science at Home. It's my free digest of the best content in artificial intelligence, data science, predictive analytics, and computer science. Subscribe now, datascienceathome.com.